You are listening to the Cattle Call Podcast. This is the place where computer-aided design and drafting meets humor and practicality, with a touch of business acumen thrown in for fun. Jim and Rocco, the owners of Zentech Consultants, the premier U.S. technology consulting firm for architecture, engineering, construction, and manufacturing, discuss the fascinating world of CAD with some humor and some honesty. The Cattle Call Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Cattle Call Podcast with Jim and Rocco from Zentech Consultants. I am Jim, the talkative and entertaining one. And I'm Rocco, the better-looking one. I don't know about that. Well, luckily, like I said before, Rocco, you have a face for podcasting, so we'll just leave it at that. So, all right, so... Welcome, everybody. I want to let you all know we're, we're talking today about 3D design and whether or not it's right for everyone. And we have a special guest in studio today. We have Joe Walker, the director of Joe Walker Design out of New Jersey, um, is in the studio with us today. So, Joe, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Uh, we appreciate your, you know, putting your toe in the water to, to deal with the crazy that is Rocco and I. So we're glad you made it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, I think I think more than my toe is in that water. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's a very slippery slope. Once you get in, you just keep on going until you're in over I'm your head. You. <laughs> <laughs> so excellent. Um, so yeah, so today I wanted to talk about a big big topic in our world, right? Which is 3D design. Um, but I really wanted to tackle this from more of an unusual angle. Uh, you know, in the past we've had a lot of people on the show, and we've talked about all of the positives of 3D modeling and, and BIM data. Um, and as our listeners know, I am a big fan of the 3D BIM modeling in certain circumstances. I always like to put that proviso in there. Um, but Joe actually has a different take on things. And I really wanted to get her input, uh, particularly as it relates to smaller design shops and what the good and what the bad she sees is in the 3D modeling world. So Joe, before we get started on the topic today, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you? who you are, how you got started in design, and what type of work do you focus on with Joe Walker Design? So um, I started out a long time ago, many years ago, um, as a graphic designer and um, morphed from that into um, environmental design. I went to Art Center College of Design in Pasadena. And from doing that work, I did a lot of exhibit and museum design work that sort of naturally led me into architecture. I went and got myself a master's degree. And as soon as I got done with my master's, I came to New York and went right to work. My first job was with KPF. Um, and I have been working steadily, mostly as a freelancer and consultant since, uh, gosh, 1992, since I came to New York. Um, I've worked on everything from um, like the World Trade Center Museum. I was one of the senior designers on that. I've worked on Rockefeller Center, the renovation that we did over there. I've done, I mean, I've just done a lot of projects, most of the time coming in as a heavy hitter on a project when, let's not say something's going wrong, but let's say things could be going better and they need somebody to just come in and sort of take it in hand and, and move things along. Um, so there you go. And right now, um, so I've kind of stepped away from doing large projects. I've stepped away from consulting for other firms. And now I do mostly, mostly interiors jobs. Sometimes like it might be like a piece of custom millwork or I might detail, uh, you know, some cockamamie thing. Um, 
so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I also I've spent several, several years doing QA and QC, and that ties so much into this 3D story, and we can talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Though, you know, I have to say, it, it, it begs one question. What what person in their right mind leaves Pasadena to move to New York? That is not the way human beings should think. <laughs> I have to tell you, and I know this is really crazy. First of all, I am an urban girl. I, I tease people. I say, you know, my idea of gardening is like hosing down my terrace. I am just like, I could care less about plants. I don't own one. Um, I love snow. I like seasons, and I couldn't get out of California fast enough. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Definitely, definitely an East Coast girl right there. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm right where I belong. There you go. All right. So yeah, like we said, so today we want to talk about 3D modeling in the mm -hmm. AEC world and see if it's right for everybody. Um, you know, now like I said, we've done a bunch of 3D related episodes on this podcast, and and you know, we talk mostly about the benefits that you can see from working in 3D. Um, I will say though that, you know, in all of those broadcasts, I've always thrown in the warning that 3D isn't always the right answer, particularly on smaller projects, right? I mean, think, for, for a lot of us, I think that the learning curve and the time investment in 3D design, it just doesn't balance out against the actual project cost. Um, and, you know, and I know that software, you know, resellers and, and developers like to tell us that the answer to all your problems is in 3D, and that only you know foolish old dinosaurs like me um, would even dare question such an obvious truth, right? Uh, but I wanted Joe on the program to talk about this because I actually have someone who agrees with me. Right? She agrees with this poor bald old man. <laughs> so Joe, Joe is you know in, in our conversations, Joe's run up against some practical issues um, in working with 3D in the real world, and she is not shy about sharing her honest opinion on it. So. So let's start on the negative end today, Joe. I, I know, like I said, you've, you've seen some project-based issues working with your design partners in, you know, when you're in the 3D environment. So yeah. what exactly happened and how did you wind up addressing those problems to get your project done? Well, uh, let me just say, I mean, it, we can talk about small jobs and we can talk about large jobs, but there's a fundamental uh, basis of any kind of computer drafting, which has to do with rigor. And really what, what I've run into through doing QA and QC on jobs, through project managing jobs, through being senior designer on jobs, big ones and small ones, is that the, the level of, of rigor that most people, have, most draftsmen have in terms of dealing with 3D just really kind of isn't there. As hard as it is to draw in 2D, and you have to really think about, you know, plan section elevation detail, you have to be thinking about corners and all kinds of things. Nobody's thinking about that stuff when they're thinking about 3D. They're thinking about, I'm pulling a CMU model out of my library and I'm slapping it in my building. And what ends up happening is that a lot of times, and even on really big, really important projects, the different people that are modeling different pieces of the building aren't being rigorous equally. And when you try to put all of those pieces together, they don't fit. And I'll tell you just a really quick example. I, I got hired in to fix a problem. It was a major building here on the East Coast with a major architectural firm. And they were inserting a circular stair into the middle of a historic building. And one team had drawn the historic building, the as-builts, in in a 3D model, and another team was working on modeling the stair. And we went to put the stair into the building, 
it was about six inches off. The stair was literally buried into the walls. There were no handrails. I mean, it was just, if, if I could tell you the mess and there wasn't time to go back in and fix it. And so what they did is they sent me the as-built and they said, could you please draw this? Hmm. So I cut, I cut my sections, I did my elevations, I did my details because it, you know, it just wasn't buildable the way that they had built it. And nobody had time to fix that model. Uh, I think so, we, sh- we should have had you on on our last po- podcast. We were talking about uh, constructability from actual design files and what's lacking in the rigor there. Boy, you, you'd have enjoyed that episode. <laughs> well, honestly, the truth is, and I say this to every team I ever work on, I really don't care what software you draw anything in. Because honestly, at the end of the day, the pieces of paper that have the drawings on them are the contract documents. And some poor guy is going to be out in the field with a half-size set, rolled up, shoved in his back pocket, and he's going to try to build from that. And, and whether you're, and he doesn't care how you drew it, really. This isn't like video, you know, I see so many young designers that, that are more concerned about the software than they are concerned about making the building. And, and that for me is the big problem with 3D because it's, it's such a bear to manipulate, you know, uh, rather than let's think about how we're going to make this building and think about, can the poor guy get a tool in there to actually install what you just drew? So I, I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, I think that's a huge part of the, the problem. I think that what we wind up with in, in the modern era more so than, than, you know, back when I was starting out is that you have people who are handling the designs. You, you have these these technologically advanced and skilled people who don't know which end of a hammer to hold. Uh, They they don't understand. Like you said, you get the connections and and they're, you know, trying to design this out in the real world when you've never seen how does the CMU meet at a corner, right? How do you got a double two by four for a sheetrock reveal on on the inside corner of a a building? They don't know. They've never done that type of work. The thing is, you know, for, for the project managers, and I really feel for them because everybody is overburdened like crazy in every single office I've ever uh, dealt with. You know, the drawings look okay on paper until you actually really dive into them. And then it's like, oh my God. I remember once I had a, was working on another historical project where they were um, changing up the interior and it was all load bearing brick walls. And this young designer had put in a door and then literally three inches away, he popped another hole in this brick wall to put this enormous picture window in. Well, he, the, the, nobody had ever told this kid how bricks work. He, he literally, and the CAD program, let him cut the hole wherever he wanted to cut it. The 3D program said, fine, you want a hole? Boom, gone. Okay. I'm going to tell you, once I sat down with that kid and explained to him how bricks work, two, for two years after that, every time he'd go out in the field and he'd see some great brick work, he'd send me a picture and say, I'm thinking of you today. <laughs> there you go. You and know. that's it, right? You need but more on those lines. And, and so, you know, you just kind of have to really, you kind of have to really be thinking about what are you building and how are you going to build it? And whether it's a big project or a little project, it's the same question. What am I making here and how am I going to make it? Yeah. And I think that's really important. There's, there's never enough time or never enough effort put into that QAQC process, right? There's got to yeah. be someone in the design shop who is taking the time to look at, like I said, if, if you had a, a senior architect who had the time and the capacity to literally go through that drawing, he'd have seen that brick wall and been like, um, guy, this is not going to work. You can't just bust this exactly. hole. Well, you know, I have made hundreds of thousands of dollars having 
very large document sets sent over to me at my apartment and just to redline them. Usually maybe at like 25% construction documents when a firm kind of knows uh, we might be in trouble here and, and you know, this might be an unbiddable job. And I've worked on a few of those. Um, and I will tell you, and this is, this is no lie, I get out my little red pens. I have a box because one pen never does it. And I get out my little red box and I start marking up and I swear a lot. I mean, <laughs> really a lot. Um, like, and, and I'm laughing, but I'm swearing at the same time going, you know, if they just, if they just either trained young architects better, or if they really had onboard QA and QC much earlier on in the process, a lot of these things would get caught. I mean, you know, the famous old story about the contractor who had two boats in the water, one was a dinghy and one was uh, a yacht. And the, the dinghy was named the uh, base bid and the yacht was named the change order. <laughs> there you go. That's and, exactly and, it. And no contractor's ever going to tell you your drawings suck because your drawings, if they're bad, are just money on the table for him. Absolutely. That change orders so, are where the real money comes in, no doubt. Oof. Yep. So, you know, so in, in small jobs, you know, um, to be honest, like everything I draw, I draw in plan section and elevation because honestly, it makes me, I'm thinking about every surface and every corner and how things are meeting. And, um, you know, honestly, it makes me good at my job. That is my job in my personal opinion is thinking about how the thing goes together. But I do have a need for 3D models now because I really hate hand perspective drawing. I learned how to do it, but I really hate it. Um, so, you know, I need to render periodically and, um, and I need to render easily. Um, so for me, what I mostly do is I end up going into SketchUp. I know I'm not supposed to say that, but I, I mostly go into SketchUp. The problem I have now is that uh, last year, for a bunch of reasons, I shifted over to a Linux system. Um, and uh, unfortunately, uh, my license for uh, professional SketchUp it doesn't talk to Linux. So I'm on their website and it's not making me happy. So. You know, I'm I'm gonna try to learn shape. I think if I can get the the uh, toolbars to start working properly. And I'll I'll keep working with you on that. We'll figure it out. Eventually. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure right. it out. All right. So I, I think your points are really well taken. I think there's there's a real valid concern as well. Um, you know, from my end anyway, what I see with with overuse or misuse of 3D modeling in the AAC space. You're like, look, you know, manufacturing, that, that's like a whole different world, right? 3D is an absolute must in there. But when you're in the building and construction world, um, you know, designers need to kind of balance, uh, you know, and, and, and remember the basic truth of what it is that we do. Uh, you know, we need, like you said, we need to com communicate the information needed to build the job to the contractor in the field. And you need to transmit it in the most efficient way that you possibly can. Right? And 3D models aren't that. Um, you look, no, they're not. And, and they also, yeah, they, they tend to also get over crazy with it, right? They focus, like you said, on the wrong things. Instead of the constructability, what to build and how to build it, they're giving you so much detail that you don't need. Well, and honestly, also the file sizes can be so huge and they're so unwieldy. Um, and one person can go in. Uh, uh, this happened on a job. One person, one young guy went in. He was making a couple of changes on a floor plan. 
And he literally moved a whole bay of columns four inches to the left, okay, on this one floor. And, the and then four months later, the structural engineer comes back and says, wait a minute, why are these columns jogged out? I'm going to have to do something really crazy to make this work. And it's like, well, no, that's actually a mistake. And now almost the entire set of drawings had to be reissued because of that mistake. Ah, it's, it's a big, big problem. And then, you know, when you get that integrated structure and that heavy detail in 3D, it's much more prone to small variances, right? A small change can propagate itself across 40 floors real huge, quick. Yeah, it's enormous. It's enormous. And, 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 and it's costly. That's the thing. And the thing is, nobody is sitting over the shoulder of these young designers who really, really know how to run the software. My God, they're amazing in running the software. But honestly, they don't, they're not thinking about how you make a building. And, and that's the key, right? Like I said, you know, I, I tell people all the time, right? I look at it like this, right? If, if I go out and I buy a new television, you know, do I want the user's guide that gives me circuitry diagrams and amperage resistance charts, right? Or do I just want a, a photo that shows me how to turn the stupid TV on and off? Exactly. <laughs> you know? Where's the on button? Right. Where's the, that's all I want. That's all I need, you know? And, that, and that's, that's where you can run into those errors. Right. And most of the time, I mean, going back to what comp what what uh, what composes a set of, of drawings of con con the contract documents, you know, it's a set of drawings, which are plans, sections, elevations and details and uh, charts and legends and things like that. But mostly plans, elevations, sections, details. And then there's a specification that that is a set of contract documents. And so, you know, honestly, I've seen I've seen 3D CAD files where every thread on the screw that's holding in the lid of a toilet seat are rendered. I mean, and that really has everything to do with the manufacturer taking a man, a, a, a product design or a, a CAD CAM design drawing and just slapping it into an architectural world. And it's it's not the same thing. No, it's not at all. It's a completely different level of detail, which is which is a perfect segue, right? Because that was actually my next question for you. Um, so that we, you know, when you have been working with the 3D models, it's kind of what you just said. I was going to ask, do you see that there is just too much data, or that it's too difficult to find or extract the data that you need? And do you think it's a problem in, you know, the the general concept of 3D design, or is it just unfamiliarity or or, or lack of industry understanding on the the best way to work with 3D? in the actual construction space. Yeah, you know, the thing is, I think a lot of times, first of all, like I said, the 3D models can be very heavy and very unwieldy and it, it makes it, how can I put it? There's a, uh, sometimes there's a reluctance to get in and do what you need to do in a, do, in, a, in a drawing because the drawing's so unwieldy, it's just like horrific to work in. So sometimes, Sometimes, you know, the models themselves, the objects themselves that are in the libraries need to be somewhat simplified, in my personal opinion. I also think another problem um, that I have seen a lot is that construction tolerance is not built in to library objects. How can it be? Because, you know, the quality of construction is definitely tied to what kinds of tolerances are allowed by, you know, whatever your contract is. So, you need to have somebody sitting at that board, that monitor, that that keyboard that actually understands what all of those things mean. So 
I feel like, you know, I've seen so many, and, and this is another pet peeve of mine. A lot of times the objects that are in those libraries are not correct. They're not drawn properly. I saw, I saw once a, a threshold for a hollow metal door frame assembly, and it was it was drawn an inch and a quarter wide instead of the whole width of the of the door frame. I mean, seriously. And some young guy just pulled that thing in, and it was like, well, excuse me, that matches the stop. What, what, where's the rest of the? He goes, well, that's what the CAD program gave me. And I said, I don't care what the CAD program gave you, not making any friends. I don't care what the CAD program gave you. This needs to be a proper sill, like fix it. And, and you're absolutely right. And listen, in, in, at a certain level, right, companies like Zentech, we're, we're partially responsible for that because we do, you know, we train people, we're resellers, we do tech support and everything and help you build those libraries and put them in place. But the problem that, that comes out of that, right, is we do the demo and say, look, all you got to do is point and click, drag the door, put the door in place, it puts the saddle, it cuts the hole, everything's perfect. And it does, but, you know, it's like a car. The driver still has to know how to drive. Yeah, the car is an automatic. It goes 180 miles an hour. But if you don't know how to drive a car, boy, we're, we're going to crash into a wall. <laughs> well, right. And not only that, but it, it works fine until it doesn't work. I mean, that's the that's the thing. It's like sometimes, you know, um, just like the example with that door. I mean, if I could tell you how long it took to fix that stupid thing, how long it took to fix it. And it had to do with, you know, where the wood was landing on one side and the carpet was landing on the other side. I mean, the ripple effect was really, you know, enormous, just enormous. And that's absolutely uh -oh. a huge concern to, to me in, in the 3D BIM world. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's great for speed layout. You know, draw the building, draw the wall, get spatial layout and everything works. But if you want actual construction detail, modifying something like that door sill, that's six, seven hours of work and play. And you really better know what you're doing in the, in the SIF software to do that. For the simplest little thing. And then, of course, you get uh, people that are making their own objects and putting them in the project library. And that's like a whole nother story. Um, you know, it's really... You know, the issue really has to always be at the underside of it. I don't care what software you're drawing this in. How are we making this building? That, that's just the simplest thing. And if I could tell you how many draftspeople in offices or young designers in offices are less concerned about that and more concerned about how to manipulate the software. Um, and there are a lot of senior partners in large offices that are concerned about that because the quality of their construction documents has really gone downhill. Yeah, because again, everybody thinks that the system knows what it's doing and it doesn't. Right. It's just putting big assemblies in place. If the assembly's right. wrong, well, <laughs> that's right. not the, the you know that's not the the software developer's concern. Right. I mean, and if it's wrong and you're looking at an object and it's wrong, now you're stuck in a 3D world. How do you where's your alternative where do you go and that is part of the reason that i really don't like 3d because i i, I you know i'm a skeptic i my trust levels on somebody else having drawn something that i'm putting in my documents are very low and i once had a i once had a senior partner in a again a really large new york firm walk over to my desk this is a, back when we were hand drafting huge enormous 36 by 48 drawing on my draft drafting table and he pointed to a line and he said what's that and it was part of the drawing i wasn't working on i hadn't made this drawing 
And I said, I don't know. And he looked at me and he said, if the drawing is on your drafting table, you are responsible for every line that's on it. And that's a fair statement. That is and a very fair statatement. Yeah. So I, I, I definitely see your concerns. So let, let's let's wake Rocco up. He's been he's been <laughs> napping over there in the corner. So wake up, Rocco. So Rocco, yeah, right. So so 3D and 3D design and BIM. It's a big part of the of the offerings that we do here at Zentech. Um, but you talk to people more more often than I do, right? You're, you're on the sales and marketing and and human interaction side more than I am. Um, how many of the people that you talk to seem to have the same concerns and the same issues that Joe's been bringing up in, in, in how the, the 3D and BIM stuff works? You know, it's interesting that I, I've been involved in these discussions a number of times and, and I do come at it from a totally different standpoint, right? From, from the sales sales standpoint. And, and I've had now over 20 years of experience in sales and you know, 3D's. Um, it, it's been it's been a big uh, buzz word for, for for about ever since I've been in the industry. Um, but I've been involved in these discussions, like I said many a times, with folks who have a lot of experience, like you guys, and um, and many of them back what you're saying. They would prefer to work in 2D uh, versus versus 3D. But it's the it's the technology folks that 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 you know firms and we could say it right. I mean, it's big firms like like Autodesk that push the technology and that push people into 3D. Um, but if you get specific and talk about the tools, right? I mean, Revit, for example, has been it's been a product that's been slow to be adopted, um, and I think that part of it is it ties into this discussion that we're having, you know, the, the, the hesitation to fully move into 3D. Well, you know, one of the things that, that, because so, I've been at this obviously for a while since hand drafting up until now, and I remember, you know, Autodesk, you got to give them credit and they are the evil empire in my personal opinion. Um, but Autodesk was really, really smart when they decided they were going to develop their 3D software. They went out and they they went and they pitched the government for government jobs to require 3D uh, submissions. And that forced so many offices who were doing that kind of work to actually step into that. Now, when you're paying what, you know, $1,500, $2,500 a seat, for software, you can't have five different kinds of software going on here. You've got to, you, you kind of get on the train and you go. And, and that's a lot of, I think, what happened. The Autodesk was really smart. And I'm telling you, the drafts people were not happy about it. The designers were definitely not happy about it. But, you know, but, but people had to learn it. There you go. You had no choice, right? You, you want to survive. You want to get paid. That's what you're exactly. going to do. Yeah, right. You want to bid on a, a major government job, you know, that's a hoop you got to jump through. So look, you know, I, I don't think that anybody, you know, here today is saying that, you know, 3D is a bad thing. Um, I think yeah, that yeah. 3D's got some really, really huge benefits. You know, like Joe was saying, when you're, when you're getting in and you're rendering or you're doing quick presentation and layout and you want to, you know, visualize things, it's a brilliant tool. Oh my gosh, yeah. You know, it's it's amazing, but I think it, it, it really comes down to making sure 
that you know when you are using it that it is right for the job and that what you're putting in place is accurate and buildable and that's really what it, what it boils down to um, so all right you know what I think we're going to take a, a quick break here so we can let today's sponsor get a word in um, but when we come back I want to talk to Joe about her personal foray into the 3d software world and the specific in issues that she's run into all right so Hang in there, folks. We'll be back in just another minute with more of the Cattle Call Podcast. All right, Rocco. So we are sponsoring ourselves yet again today. What is it we want to talk about? We're going to talk about me today, Jim. No, no one wants to talk about you. Not even you. Oh, <laughs> fine. Let's talk about Zentech Tech Blocks. Awesome. I like Zentech Tech Blocks. Zentech Tech Blocks are prepaid support hours that lets you call on Zentech's experienced technical staff to address all your support questions, problems, help you with workflows and standards, really anything you need on the technology side. We're here to provide the support you need so that your most talented people aren't being dragged into helping everybody else in your company instead of working on the billable jobs that you need them focused on. All right, so Zentech tech blocks are available in uh, multiple sizes. We sell them in 5-hour, 10-hour, 20-hour, and 40-hour prepaid support blocks. And if you're interested and you need that sort of help, Rocco, how do they reach out to us? Yeah, hit up our website, zentechconsultants.net. Give us a ring, 866-824-4459, or even drop us an email, sales at zentechconsultants.net. All right, Zentech tech, lock, tech Blocks, the vital support that your people need exactly at the moment that they need it. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Cattle Call Podcast. We're talking with Joe Walker, who is the head honcho over at Joe Walker Designs. Um, and we're getting her take on the practical application of 3D design. Um, now, Joe is actually a client of ours here at Zentech. She's actually the first client we've had on our podcast. So that's her, her unique standing. Um, and she's been working with us. Uh, on getting BricsCAD, right? Her new 2D replacement yeah. for that uh, unnamed evil corporate monopolistic CAD system that we've right. all used for decades. Um, right. right. And, and BricsCAD also has a 3D BIM package, which I am a big fan of. Um, but I don't think that Joe is, is looking to, to move towards that quite yet. So let, let's start with the 2D side of things then. So, so Joe, just kind of talking from the 2D side, what prompted you to even look into the BricsCAD system in the first place, right? Why make why move from the 2D tools you've already used for years and, yeah. and learn something new? Yeah, and, and honestly, and I'm gonna just say it, AutoCAD. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm, I, I was an AutoCAD super user. Um, however, when, uh, and I was a PC person because of AutoCAD. Um, and when uh, Microsoft announced that they were not going to be supporting uh, Windows 7 Pro any longer, uh, and I phoned around and found out that most of my software wouldn't run on a Windows 10 and that I would have to be buying thousands of dollars of new software. And we're talking whole, uh, you know, Adobe suites and all of that stuff. Um, and probably a new computer for that. I got angry would be really understating, uh, how I felt about that. Um, so I decided to just get off the PC wagon. I shifted over to a Linux system, which let me just tell you, has been an eye-opening, fabulous, incredible change. Um, I'm, I am in love with my Linux. I'm, it's just, it's, wow, I can't tell you how great it is. Um, and your software 
is the only software that I have actually had to pay for because I wanted um, a full version of what you have. So I was looking around to see, well, what is where the equivalence? And I went in and kind of did a test run. And shockingly, BricsCAD works functionally uh, works pretty much the same as uh, any of the blah, blah, blah programs. <laughs> so, um, and I was very happy, like, uh, happy to find that, you know, the tools work the same, the shortcuts are the same, you know, uh, so pretty much, uh, I mean, I've had some trouble getting uh, toolbars and things like that to stick. And I think some of that has to do with the fact that I'm in a Linux world. But those, those little glitches seem to be ironing themselves out now. And you know, I can pretty much plow through a drawing in BricsCAD pretty nicely, um, which is great. Good. And like yeah. I said, you know, I've been working with Joe on, on, on the toolbar issues and other things. So we'll keep working on that. We will pin those down eventually. Yeah, so, we will. Yeah. We will. So um, so in, in terms of, of 3D design options, right? I, like I said, I'm a big fan of the BricsCAD BIM system. I think it's a, mm -hmm. it's a great entry point for people who don't need that overwhelming expense or the complexity of a system like Revit. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I think that a system like that, right, which which blends, you know, 2D and 3D into one package, it lets you work in the same DWG file, and it gives you nice rendering capacity, and, and I think it helps move people towards a 3D environment without losing the simplified uh, editing and communication capabilities of the 2D system. Um, mm -hmm. You know, but look, you know, on this podcast, so we, we rock and I try real hard not to push sales in our own agenda. <laughs> um, we try. Uh, so, so I'd like to get Joe's take on that system. I know you haven't looked closely at it, Joe, but that and, and, and not just that, but others like it. Like you were talking before about, yeah. you know, SketchUp and Shape and so on. Um, and, I, you know, I think, you know, by this point, I think Joe's made it clear that she is not a proponent proponent of, uh, or that she is rather a proponent of the, you know, the, the, the 2D process as opposed to the 3D. But I wanted to see, do you have, you know, is, are there any plans uh, for expanding into that 3D world, even just for renderings and presentations and, yeah. and so on. Here's the thing, you know, clients now, and it makes me crazy, but it's true. Clients now expect to see photorealistic renderings. It was, I miss the watercolor days. I do those beautiful drawings, but never mind. Um, so here we are. Now, I used to use SketchUp and I would run SketchUp, my SketchUp models, because I can slap together a 3D SketchUp model, which is all my client really needs to see is sort of volumetrically, what is this, how does it look and what are the finishes looking like and, you know, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't care what the uh, hinge is on the door, you know, I'm not, not worrying about that. So I'm really using 3D as a visualizing tool. Um, and in fact, I'm working on a project right now. I'm doing a, uh, I'm designing a uh, uh, sound and recording studio for uh, a Broadway uh, composer in, in New York in a very small space and having to use 3D so he can visualize where is his equipment gonna go and how is it all gonna fit? And, you know, uh, because obviously most people can't read uh, architectural drawings. So I need it for visualizing, I really do. I, I miss my professional version of SketchUp. I could take a SketchUp model. I could build a SketchUp model faster than I can even tell you. I just bring in my DWG file, start extruding, start poking holes in things, throw finishes on, fine and dandy. I'd run it through Kirkathea, which is like an incredibly great free rendering engine, fantastic. Um, and boom, Bob's your uncle. I've got a great, uh, a great visualization. Now that I can't, 
now that I don't have access to my uh, SketchUp Pro anymore because I'm in Linux, it's a, it's a blip for me. And I looked into Blender, uh, which is a great program, but does not allow you to draw with uh, dimensional precision. And that for me doesn't work. Um, SketchUp on the web is painfully, painfully slow. And I can't, and you cannot save uh, your models to your uh, hard drive. You have, they, they live in the cloud, which I don't like. Um, so I'm thinking, you know, maybe you guys have something that will work for me, but honestly, I need it to be something that literally I can just visualize. I'm not looking to make a building model. I just want to visualize something quickly for a client and say, you know, here's where we want to go. Yeah, and I, like I said, I, I do think that that you know a system like BricsCAD BIM can do that, and we can have that conversation offline, right? I can show you what it can do. I, I like that it does that, and it you know it works in your native DWG. But I think your point is a really good one, um, which is that you know when you're doing a, even a layout and a conceptual plan like that, where you want to sh you know help people visualize and see, that's a great use of of 3D, you know, yeah. um, versus like you said, you know the the the, the funny thing. You know, like you're saying before, like you know, the the toilet seat where you got every thread, right? If you're putting in every yep. hinge, every door jam, every nail hole, it it's not effective. And I know that's where the software developers and the big names like Autodesk and, and even BricsCAD to a certain extent, you know, they, they kind of want to push in that direction for the the true. We're going to build the building in 3D, and and no one has ever, I think, stopped to think that that means literally building the building twice. You're doubling the workload. Yeah, it's insane. You know, it, it doesn't really come down to that. So I think, the, you know, the, the process I think that you're looking at, right, which is, you know, looking for visualization and layout and, and quick reference and comparing different, you know, layouts and options, I think it's brilliant in that respect. Yeah. And it needs to be fast. That's the thing. I don't have the time to spend days messing around with a 3D model. I don't have the time, really. So, you know, it, anything that I can crank out fast that will help me to 3D visualize is my best friend. So, I mean, is that really your only big area for 3D that you're looking at? It really is because honestly, I don't think at this point in my life and in my career, I don't think that I am going to turn around and start figuring out how to make construction documents out of uh, 3D drawings. I just am not. I, I, you know, I know how to make a building I know how to make a space and, you know, I, I like, you know, there, there's a, there was a great quote, I think it was, um, gosh, I can't remember who it was, really famous architect that said, you know, you, the computer, people say that the computer saves us all this time, but the amount of time that it takes to think about a thing hasn't changed. So you still need the time to think. And I think, you know, in the old days, it was your eyeballs to your pencil in your hand onto the piece of paper and you're thinking, right? Now, okay, I'm drafting a line or whatever. The, the thing that's in the middle of that is now you have to, you have this extra step, which is you have to figure out how to draw that line. When in the old days, you just pick up a pencil and you draw it. You're not, you don't have that extra thing in your head that's getting in the way of the creative process. But, but to me to keep it as simple as I can so that I am thinking all the time. That's really, for me, the pleasure of making architecture. And that's a good point. And I think you're, you're dead on. 
And and to be fair, right? I think that you know the guys who are doing the 3D, they're still thinking. But I think the problem is they're not thinking about the design. They're thinking about the software and how to make That's it right. do what they want. You That's know. That's right. Um, and and it's a you know going back, like I said, I started like you. You know, I started on the board drafting. Um, and I remember when, you know, the, the first CAD systems hit and I was one of the, the, you know, I was the young guy at the time. So I made the shift over to CAD before anybody else. I kind of learned it for the office I was working in and, and started teaching other people. And, you know, I had this guy who I worked with who was just, uh, he was an artist. There's just not even a question. This, this man had been drafted on the board for 60 years. And, yeah. and, and the stuff that he could put out with a pencil, it belonged in a museum. It was stunning what this man could yeah. do. And he, he actually made the point one day, he's like, you know, I can draft anything that you can draft in CAD. Why do I need this computer system? And yeah. he's absolutely right, you know, because I had to think about it, I had to draft it and do it the same way with that extra step. And, and I think where CAD made the, the big benefit, why CAD took the way that it did, is, is I did show it to him one day and I finally convinced him. He could draw even faster with his pencil than I could with the CAD system because he was that okay. good. Now I said, okay, now we're both done. It took you three hours. It took me a day to get this done. <laughs> Now, let's change something. Yeah. The change no, took right. me five minutes. It took him another three hours. Right? And that's where yeah. the, you know, it, it was a very beneficial tool. And I think yeah, kind of going of back to your point earlier, the 3D yeah. is not like that. No, it is not. The change is even harder in yes, a 3D environment than it is in a cat. You know what I mean? You're not getting and the benefit. everybody. Yeah. So I think that's a very, very fair statement. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, I don't know. I remember when CAD first came in and I was working on doing some high rise buildings. And let me tell you, if you've got 13 floors of the same bathroom, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's like you draw the thing once and bang, 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 and you're done and dusted, which is great. Um, but when you're talking about really fine tuning individual things, it it it, it is, it is as time consuming to draw it in CAD as it is to draw it by hand because you still have to think about those things. And the thinking, the thinking is the pleasure and the art of this world in my mind. You know, so it's not a video game. It's drafting is not a video game. And I think a lot of young people are taking, you know, their love of all things 3D video and just kind of plopping that onto working in 3D. And it's like, yes, let's figure out how to draw this compound curve in the software. How do we do that? Instead of give me a French curve and I'm going to just draw the darn thing, you know? Yeah, you spend yeah. hours, you know, three hours figuring out how to make it work in the computer instead of just swoop, there it is, it's done. Exactly. Or even in, even in CAD, I just draw this line and I manipulate it until it's how I want it to look and, and we're done. The other thing I want to say, and I think this is really actually very important. I care a lot about what my drawings look like. I want my drawings to be beautiful. I like all of my notes to align across all the details on a page. I'm, I'm like very, very particular about how- A woman after my own heart. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like my notes are always on the right hand side. My dimensions are always on the left. I want the contractor to be able to just look at those drawings and know where he's going to find his information and controlling how notes and dimensions land on a drawing in 3D is a nightmare from hell. I mean, it does a great job in automate. You got the, the building, it cuts the planes, it generates a plan or a section but there's a lot of cleanup and editing you got to do to those things. They are not. 
Yeah, and 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 some of that editing, especially in terms of notes, notations, are really really difficult to make track how you want them to be across a whole set of documents. Yeah, it's a lot and, of individual manual manipulation on on each yeah. item. Yep, no yeah. doubt. And people don't do it because it's incredibly time consuming, and it makes those drawings very much harder to read. As I said, it comes back to the idea of constructability and, and getting the info. And that's what you got to keep in mind. It's it's We're not designing to design. We're designing for someone to build from what we create. And if, right. you, if you're not communicating in a clear, effective, concise manner, we're wasting time. Right. You got a you got a guy with a hard hat and a screwdriver that's trying to figure out what what you drew. That's it exactly. <laughs> so, all right. So let, let, let's wake Rocco up again. He keeps falling asleep on us. Yeah. What is this? This is an inter- It's definitely an interesting discussion. I I am enjoying this. And besides, he's been working with me for years. He's used to not being able to get a word in edgewise. <laughs> <laughs> so so Rocco, what's what what is the breakdown? Um, I guess in terms of our client base here at Zentech, right? How many, you know, in terms of like who's using and, and sticking and working in 2D versus who's gone to full 3D? Um, and, you know, is there a big discrepancy between the companies and the people who are doing it in the industries? And, and have you been seeing a change or a leaning in either direction? You know, I, I tend to see that, um, that a lot of larger firms are, are, are using 3D um whereas a lot of the smaller firms are are working in 2d and and i you know it's taken a long time to um it's taken a long time to see to to see a lot of these firms fully transition to 3d though you know i i mean they they if you guys you guys remember right i mean they Revit's been around since like the early 2000s, you know, mm-hmm. and, and Autodesk has been pushing 3D and Revit for, you know, for, for just as long. Um, and and I, I still find that there's a lot of firms that are struggling to get there, but it, it just seems like those bigger firms are, are, are big into 3D, um, whereas the, the smaller firms still stick to 2D and they're, they're darn happy with it. A lot of them are not in no hurry to move to 3D. And I think a lot of it has to do with like, I mean, at least from what I've seen, what Joe was saying earlier, the bigger firms are more into 3D because it's client requirement. You know, the government jobs, the big airport jobs, the big, it's a requirement of the contract. Yeah. Let me also say another thing, and it's an actually very important thing, is the larger firms actually have budget to train people. Because most of the time when it's a 3D, when you're moving uh, draftsmen or moving people into a 3D world, you know, you go and you take some classes, you take some training classes to to really learn the ins and outs of the software. And it's not cheap. Smaller firms don't have those budgets. So to sit down and actually learn 3D drafting on your own by struggling through it is painful and expensive. Oh, thank God for those big companies. That's how Rocco and I pay our mortgage. <laughs> we teach them how to do this stuff. <laughs> so that's a yeah, good thing. That's the new car, right? <laughs> That's it, exactly. So, all right, cool. So I'm going to give Joe the last word on today's topic, right? And I'm going to ask her to make, make the case for 2D continuing as our primary delivery method for construction data. Um, so, all right. So, Joe, it's, it's completely on you now. Convince all of our listeners that 2D is sufficient to all our design needs or at least for, for, for the bulk of, of your, your type of work, right? 
So if yep. you know, what's your final takeaway, right? What what should our listeners consider when they're looking at 2D and 3D for their own designs? Well, and this is just me, but honestly, at the end of the day, you got a set of drawings that's plans, sections, elevations, and details. And the guy who's or gal who's drawing those drawings needs to be able to take full responsibility for everything that's on that page, which isn't the case in a 3D model ever. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the guy who's actually making the building really doesn't care how you drew the job. So you better make sure that the drawing is right because you're going to end up uh, having to pay a lot of change orders um, for not very well constructed drawings. I also think really at the end of the day, what it really is about is about the rigor and the beauty of making anything that's physical that people inhabit in the world. And that's, you know, interiors, buildings, desks, whatever it is you're making. I think you have to think everything through. I think you have to think it through with rigor. I think you have to think it through with delight. And I think you have to think it through with the pragmatics of the guy who's actually going to make it. And at the end of the day, anything that helps you think things through is, I think, a really great tool. So for me, that keeps me in the 2D world. There you go. I like that. Good answers. All right. So, all right. I want to thank you, Joe, for being here with us today. Um, and, and I hope that Rocco, I hope that Rocco didn't scare you off. You know, he was too loud. <laughs> He's too loud. He talks so much. <laughs> I know. Right? Oh goodness. But yeah, I really do hope that you'll come back and, and, and talk to us again in the future on other episodes. We really appreciated sure. your input today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you, Joe. All right, folks. We are going to get out of here, and we will catch you next time on The Cattle Call Podcast. All right, everybody. Today's Cattle Call was brought to you courtesy of Zentech Consultants. That's Rocco and I. Uh, Zentech Consultants works with design and manufacturing firms to help our clients purchase and implement the software that they need in these complex industries. Uh, we provide a single point of contact for clients to buy, develop, and learn the most vital software systems for your specific needs. Uh, Zentech strives to be your trusted technology partner from your initial needs all the way through long-term support and training for your entire staff. So Rocco, why don't you tell them how to reach out to Zentech? All right, yeah, you can reach out to us through zentechconsultants.net. You can email us at sales at zentechconsultants.net. Or you can even call us, 866-824-4459. Excellent. We look forward to hearing from you all.